Hello everyone. This is going to be a shorter episode than usual, as I've caught COVID. I've never had it before, managed to avoid it, even at the height of the pandemic. But it's got me now. This week's topic was inspired by my newest patron, William Rodriguez. Thanks for joining my Patreon, William. He sent me an email when he joined with some great Canadian archive material, which we'll look at next week when I'm hopefully better, because it deserves my full and proper attention. But his email also mentioned something I'm ashamed to admit I had never heard of before. The NEAR. The N-E-A-R. Which stands for National Emergency Alarm Repeater. Now I'm feeling quite rough, so let's get straight to the point. The USA and Canada obviously had a siren network, as we did in prison, to alert the population of an incoming attack. But there was often the worry that the siren wouldn't be sufficient. What if you're in a building with thick walls and double glazing? What if you're working down in a basement or in a noisy factory? So the NEAR, the National Emergency Alarm Repeater, was invented as a secondary method of alerting the population. It wouldn't replace the siren, it would supplement it. Before we go on, let me remind you that we had something similar in Britain during the Second World War, known as the Cuckoo Alert. I was also made aware of this by one of my patrons, James Symes. The Cuckoo Alert was a set up in various towns on the south coast of Britain. I did a bonus podcast about it for my patrons, so I'll play you a short clip here. The full episode is, of course, available on my Patreon page for subscribers. This episode is about cuckoo alerts. And no, I hadn't heard of them either until this week. Uh, One of my listeners, um, after hearing last week's episode, Where Have All the Sirens Gone?, sent me an email telling me about his childhood memories of air raids when he lived on the south coast of England during the Second World War. And yes, of course, he would hear the siren, that infamous sound that we all know and dread, but his stretch of the coast would also sound another, separate siren, known as the Cuckoo Alert, or Cuckoo Alarm. So let's find out more about it. When we think of the Blitz, we tend to think of the big cities. But of course, smaller towns were targeted, particularly those on the south coast, because the Luftwaffe could easily reach them from occupied France and make what were known as hit-and-run raids, where you would zip across the channel, bomb the town and then vanish. These hit-and-run raids were often done by a single plane and were in and out before the warning could be cascaded down to the relevant teams and the sirens sounded. So the bombs would be dropped and then the siren might sound a few minutes later. This was recognised as a a very obvious problem in these coastal towns and so Lowestoft had made their own arrangements to try and protect the town's industry from these hit-and-run attacks. So that's a short clip from The Cuckoo Alert, which is a bonus podcast available on my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Atomic Hobo. 
So even though we might shudder on hearing the siren, thinking that dreadful sound is unmistakable, impossible to ignore, we did have circumstances where authorities wondered if it was enough. And so the idea arose of supplementing it with another alarm. And so today we look at the near. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, my new patron, William, sent me some Canadian civil defence material. In December 1962, the head of Calgary's civil defence, a Mr Bell, was arguing that the pitch of the local sirens should be altered to help make them more audible. There were, at this point, 17 sirens throughout the city of Calgary, and he wanted the pitch lowered. Now, I don't know the physics of it, but he argued that this would make them more audible to more people. His suggestion was refused by the army, who were in charge of the siren network. They told him that a lower pitch could indeed make the sound more audible to the human ear, but might, at the same time, reduce the range of the sound. This was the view of Major Freeborn, who was the nuclear staff officer of the army. Plus, he argued, sirens are not the only way to alert the public. So at this moment, Canada was watching with interest the development down in the USA of the NEAR system. If its various tests and trials went well, perhaps they would introduce it in Canada to supplement the siren. So what was the NEAR? It was a small device, a little black box, small enough to fit in your hand, and you would plug it into your wall at home or in the office or classroom. It looks like an old mobile phone charger. Remember how boxy and chunky they used to be? So you would plug this black box into the wall and the idea was that it would be connected to the national alert system. So if NORAD picked up Russian bombers coming in over the Arctic, the sirens would sound, yes, but so would this black box on your wall at home. So it didn't matter if you were far away from a siren, or were working in a noisy place, or your house had very thick walls, you could now have your very own personal air raid alarm. You could even have one in every room of the house if you wanted. If the near was triggered, it would make a loud, intrusive, buzzing sound. And this was the signal that citizens should turn on their TV or radio and listen to any emergency broadcasts. The near device was designed to be small and cheap. If you wanted one, this is America, you would have to buy one. But the hope was that, if the scheme was approved, they would go on sale for just $5. The Calgary Albertan newspaper described it thus in 1960. A little $5 gadget that could be the difference between life and death for you if an H-bomb attack ever came. But before the near could be adopted and connected to the alert system and put on sale, they had to be tested, of course, and approved. The city of Charlotte in Michigan was chosen as a location 
for mass testing. Charlotte was close, just 27 miles away from Battle Creek, Michigan, which was the HQ for civil defence. You'll find an episode in the podcast archive about that called Getting Frustrated in Battle Creek. So 1,400 near devices were distributed to households and workplaces in Charlotte, Michigan, in advance of the test. The Leader Post newspaper, reporting on the trials in September 1960, said, quote, An angry buzzing, similar to the noise of a king-size electric razor, has startled residents in this community during the last several days. But the citizens don't mind. They know the noise might save their lives someday. But the city didn't just distribute near devices for the test. They also distributed helium balloons. High school students were recruited to go around the houses, those chosen for the test, giving out the balloons. And the idea was that if your near box functioned after the test as hopes and gave out the startling buzz, then you would go outside and tie the helium balloon to your gatepost. Authorities could then count the balloons and that would let them know how many devices had been successful. Now that's quite interesting because of course the phrase the balloon goes up is often used to refer to the outbreak of nuclear war. What happens if the balloon goes up? We'll be for it if the balloon goes up, that kind of thing. In this case, if the balloon went up, literally on the gateposts of this nice Michigan city, then it meant the nuclear alert tests had worked. Well, the test in Charlotte was a success, and balloons were bobbing in the breeze all over the city. The Lansing State Journal reported on 12th October 1960, Civil Defence Warning Passes Test. And the article went on to say, A buzz that someday may be heard across the nation was sounded here Tuesday. The paper said, quote, The sky around Charlotte was dotted with white and red balloons attached to 150-foot nylon strings within minutes after the buzzer sounded. The residents raised the balloons to show their instruments carried the warning. Now that seems a bit, a bit, <coughs> a bit sinister to me. I understand and... 1960 that you couldn't simply log on and click yes or no to tell the authorities if your device had worked, so the displaying of a balloon would be an easy alternative method to count the results. But balloons, of course, are festive and fun. They're associated with parties and celebrations. And these balloons were distributed to the households by young people and were given out in patriotic colours, red and white. No blue, I assume, because blue could not be seen easily against a blue sky. It just seems too much like a celebration. Go outside and tie a jolly balloon to the gatepost. I don't like it. We are dealing here with nuclear war, obviously. Horror, the ultimate horror. So I don't like the addition of the 
the party atmosphere. It seems that we are maybe trivialising the whole thing, perhaps making the population soft, suggesting to them that nuclear war perhaps wouldn't be all bad. How could it be when kids are coming to the door with balloons? The NEAR system might have had a successful test in Michigan, but it was never adopted. Technology ran ahead of it, and in May 1965, when the NEAR boxes were still going through their final testing, the Battle Creek Inquirer reported that work was underway now on a new warning system, a radio warning system, which was hoped would be superior to and cheaper than the NEAR boxes. The Civil Defence Director, William P. Durkee, told the House Appropriations Subcommittee that they had high hopes for this new radio system and that whilst the near boxes worked, quote, I do not think it is the best system. The idea behind the proposed radio system was that it would issue a warning to the household even if their radio set was switched off. So the near black boxes fell out of favour and the system was never used. I have a newspaper article here from January 1969 which called the system a near miss. And now you will forgive me if I go back to bed. I'm starting to feel a bit rough. Let me thank my newest patrons, William Rodriguez, Adrian Fry and Graham Forshaw. You can join us at patreon.com forward slash Atomic Hobo where you'll get access to bonus episodes and uh, blog posts, photographs, etc. And you might be interested to know that my book, Attack Warning Red, How Britain Prepared for Nuclear War, is on a special deal at the moment. It's currently 99 pence on Kindle. Although I believe that applies across the board to all ebook versions, uh, Kobo, etc. So please do check it out. Attack Warning Red, How Britain Prepared for Nuclear War, 99 pence on ebook. So thank you for listening. And I'll be back soon.